forgive me. But it's it's way better than last week. No thanks, I have no coffee. And I want to be fine. You can make it. Uh, uh, the 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 subject of representation takes on various various uh, <coughs> avenues. I want to talk this morning about. Uh, uh, I'm going to explain the word image down image. You know, image intellectual intellectual representation. It's an I. The M is moral representation. I'm, not gonna, I'm only going to talk about the first one, intellectual representation. Okay. Intellect. Intellectual representation is one of the most neglected subjects in church. It seems like when you come to Christ, we leave our minds at the altar and we don't use it anymore. Right? What is being said from the front or around the table <laughs> must not be taken for granted. You must still go home and, and look things up. <coughs> if there's a quotation of scripture, you can read the scripture and possibly read the scripture in multiple versions of interpretation. Okay, that, that's going to teach you a lot about, about how to apply scripture. Because you must remember truth evolves. It doesn't change its foundation, but it evolves. So when you come to intellect, when you come to intellect, okay, fine. I'm going to talk about how God has enabled you, the believer, to represent Him on the level of His intellect, not our intellect. Okay, I'm going. I'm calling this divine intellectual properties. Divine intellectual properties. It's not. It's not a holy subject. Okay. It's not something out there, basically. But it's something that needs to be revisited every now and then. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, and we might <laughs> be stuck here for two, three weeks with intellectual, with intellectual representation. <coughs> okay, just because people say Israel is the, is, is the people of God does not mean you have to accept it at random. You must be able to prove that statement from scripture. So when we talk about intellect, we're talking about your will, your ability to make decisions, your ability to reason. Okay? Your ability to guide your life and guard your life according to God's ways. The Bible is not the only way through which God reveals His intelligence. He does it multiple ways. For instance, if you dream, a godly dream is revealing His intellect to you. But if you get a prophecy, He's showing you His intelligence or His ideology <laughs> or philosophy of life. Coming to you from different angles. Okay, I'm trying to show you there's many ways to have access to the intellect of God. God's intelligence <laughs> is not normal intelligence. Right? Turn with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Okay. 
You got it? Show me the energy there. Isaiah 55. Six, six. Six. Six, yeah. <coughs> Must forgive me sometimes I will speak and I will not have the scripture written down. I normally write out the scriptures, but when I'm when something comes upon me, like now, I will I will just uh, I'm gonna read with six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. <laughs> Let me just say this to you. That has nothing to do with reference to repentance. Seek the Lord while he may be found. In other words, it, it does not mean you seek the Lord only there for salvation. You seek the Lord because of his intelligence, his philosophy, his ideology. Okay, We can go on. We can Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Then, then the main reason why he says, seek the Lord, is this verse now. <coughs> for my thoughts, God's thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Right? Neither are your ways. My ways, say the Lord. So he says here, a subject matter of two things. My thoughts are not your thoughts, okay? My ways of doing things, the way I behave, are not your ways. So, thoughts and behavioral patterns. We all know that your thoughts construct your behavioral patterns. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And then he says something that's that we quote all the time, but we have no, you know, collection of what it means, basically. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens is above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, there's a gulf of separation between how God thinks and how God operates and how humans operate and how, God, how, we, how we think. It's a big difference. Okay? But coming to say to you that God puts his intellectual you know, attributes to our availability, gives you access to your mind. If he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, it doesn't mean you cannot be like him. He gives you access to his mindset. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and return not hither, but water the earth and make it, it brought forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. In other words, the word of God goes out on a way higher level than what you ever can comprehend it. First lesson you must learn about intellectual representation is God's <laughs> philosophy, God's intellect is not normal. I cannot use the word, it's abnormal, please. It's super normal. God's ways of thinking God's thoughts are not human level at all. Completely, that's it. You've got to settle it now. It is not humanly, you know, you don't, God does not think like a human. Now, when we talk about intellectual representation, we, we are summoned to go back to the Adamic state of mankind before mankind fell. 
That's what we're after here. So what are we saying to you is that get back to what God created men to be. This person here, Daryl, if he does not believe that everything will, will, will change when Christ comes back. <coughs> For those of you like Joseph, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is coming back definitely. Physically, he's coming back. He's not going to put his one foot on the one on one all of it and the other foot there on the other side. Like that's a figure of speech. That is a figure of authority. But he's coming back literally. literally. Physically, every eye will see him. My mind says, I don't know how that's possible. It can be that your mind will be open to see he's coming, he has come back. I don't know how that will happen. It can be the means of media. It can be the means of television. It can be the means of so, or, you know, of of our modern day communication. It can be, but every eye will see him. It also means your <coughs> eyes will open. We're going to get to that now. Uh, so intellectual properties is at our disposal. <coughs> Divine intellectual properties is at our disposal. I'm going to. Give you from, from many side scriptures today. Okay, when you come to Christ, when you come to Christ, you you have access to gifts. Right? You have access to the gifts of the Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12. You have access to the gifts of the Spirit. First Corinthians 12 and First Corinthians 14. Okay, fine. And uh, I'm not mentioning chapter chapter 13 because that is the medium through which the gifts operate, the love chapter. That chapter is not written for you to govern your life and love your wife better and to construct your life. That chapter is there between the two sets of gifts. Our gift is uh, mentioned and our gift is explained of operation in chapter 14. It operates by love. Right? Gifts <laughs> operate by love. But in chapter 12, we get different <laughs> gifts. The gifts are divided into three sections. Gifts of intellect, gifts of power, and gifts of demonstration. Those are the three uh, dimensions of gifts. I want to talk about the intellectual depositories in the gifts. There's a call, it's called the gift of knowledge, <coughs> gift of knowledge, discerning of spirits, and the gift of <coughs> wisdom. Okay? Gift of knowledge, Discerning of spirits and the gift of wisdom. Now, I'm going to take the word discerning of spirits out there because in our minds, discerning of spirits has to do with evil. I'm going to take it out there because it's a wrong perception. I'm going to put the word in there. Discernment means accurate understanding. <coughs> accurate understanding. So it's the gift of knowledge, the gift of understanding, right? And the gift of wisdom. Those three things are divine intellectual properties given to the believer when you get born again. Okay? If I say this morning to you that you are you are prophetically, you are designed to be prophetically, I want to use the right word here. Your foundation is prophetic operations as, as a human being. Your foundation is to operate prophetically, meaning you must operate out of the knowledge of God. You must operate out of how He understands things and how He administers things. That's wisdom. Yeah. Is that clear? Yeah. When we talk about being prophetic, 
we are going to take you to a higher level of that say the Lord. We're going to take you to understanding the knowledge of God. Now, the different levels of knowledge of God. Different levels of knowledge. The word knowledge is spelled in the Greek G-N-O-S-I-S. Now, forget. Now, please, we're not talking about Isis here. Right? Kenosis. You speak it out like this. Kenosis. G stands one side. G, gnosis. Means knowledge. Now, there's different knowledge of mankind, how you get knowledge. There is knowledge you grew up with. It's intuitive knowledge. It's there. Right? You grew up with that kind, of, kind of knowledge. You know. You know things automatically. Right? <coughs> then, you get, then you get acquired knowledge. You go to school. You learn things. You learn how to write. Okay? And you learn how to how to speak, basically, that's it. That's things you learn, right? Then you learn how to study. Now, now, study is one thing that we do not, we do not like in church. But we're gonna get that maybe in the next week or something. But when you, when you, when you, when you understand this, there is different levels of knowledge. I'm trying to show you normal knowledge. Normal knowledge is like this: Matthew four verse four. Man shall not live by bread alone. Let's break it up by bread alone. Okay, fine. It does not only refer to natural sustenance. You will not only live by natural knowledge, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that simply means that there's a higher level of knowledge there in Matthew chapter 4. It is intricately woven in there that when God, when, 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 when Matthew quotes Deuteronomy 8, he's, he's simply saying this, he's simply saying this, you will not live to the Israelites, you will not live by the manner outside the camp given every day. Now, manner is not angel's food. <coughs> it is an interpretation of a writer of the Bible. Manner is not angel's food, right? Because no one has seen what angels eat. Manners, the word manners means this. Okay? What is this? Here's the manner. They didn't know what it was. And they looked at it and says, What is this? <coughs> In other words, we don't understand this. We eat it. Now, tomorrow when we leave it over, it's rotted. Okay. Therefore comes the word manna. What is this? In other words, God says you will not live by that level alone. Divine providence, but your sustenance will come from a high level of knowledge that comes out of my mouth. When God speaks, it is a release and a depository of ultimate knowledge into our lives. Okay? <clears throat> Ultimate knowledge, the best knowledge available. Solomon says, trust not in your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Right? So may I, um, what I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that when you say man shall not live by, by the manna, mm. and manna means what is it. Mm. So he's living in an uncertainty of what is it? Mm. 
but when he lives out of God, he knows what it is because he has the divine knowledge yeah. of what God's mind says it is. Thank you, Elsabi. Connecting what Elsabi said now, <laughs> the knowledge of God is stability. But remember, there's levels of knowledge. No, normal knowledge is what we humans are used to. That's gnosis. Then there's another level of knowledge that's called epi, E-P-I, hyphen, gnosis. Epi, gnosis, higher knowledge. That's a reference to God's mindset. Okay? So God is saying, when you get born again, I put these things to your disposal, at your disposal. I give you my knowledge. I give you my mind. I give you my philosophy. I give you divine intellect. I give you these attributes and properties for you to be like me. Okay? We are, we are going, we are not just talking about representation, but we are talking about being educated to represent me accurately. <coughs> it's one thing to say you are a representative of God. It's quite another thing to say how do I represent him? That's what we're after here now. We are not just about statements. The Lord is my healer. How does he heal? The Lord is my refuge. How is the Lord your refuge? We are not like the people that says, Oh, God has blessed me with a new car. Meetings over you and you find out that the person is paying the car for 48 months and now it is 70 months. <coughs> Can you then say, God bless you with a car? Okay? I'm just... I just want you to stretch your mindset. Say after me, my mind. My mind. Like Pentios. <laughs> okay. <coughs> you, didn't, you didn't expect that, eh? Right. Now, epinosis means the highest format of knowledge. <coughs> Sorry. Truth is reality. Agree? Truth is the highest format of reality right now. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, <laughs> I am the highest format of reality. And that format of reality, I am the way, the truth, and the life lives in you. Are you listening to me? The highest format of reality <laughs> Finally, the expression in your representation of who he is. If you don't understand his intellectual properties, you will not be able to to express him in representation, in knowledge. Okay? We get educated at school, right? And every end of the year, you write exams. Not to pass you on to the next year. To see your level of understanding of what you've been taught during the year. Okay? So when we talk about church, you can, you can determine a church's level of knowledge to their behavioral patterns. When we come to prayer, 
and we pray only for what we see, what we see around us, it just shows you the level of of spiritual intellect you are at. This is a hard word now. When you come and you pray for your needs and your wants and your desires, and this is what I want to say, the table, we, 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 we are not going to become a Tuesday night time of request based upon human needs. Are you listening to me, people? There are human needs, yes, but we are not going to do that all the time. That's shocking, eh? Coming from Daryl. I can be a very nice person, but I can also be a very hard person. Right. So when we come together and we pray for things all the time, things all the time, it can become, become a habit within the prayer. But, but I'm like this. I'm like this. Teach the people to pray for themselves. Are you listening? To pray for yourself because you cannot come Every week with the same problem over and over again. In other words, your <coughs> level of spiritual intellect did not grow. Therefore, I say to you that we get tested at school by exams. Hmm? You get tested not by exams, but your classroom is life. And when you fail, of course, you do it over again. That's how life operates. Hello? And if you fail, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, uh, this uh, what's a program called? Petco Palace. Petco Palace, you won't know a thing about it, but we'll explain to you. Petco Palace is a, is, a, is a story about a guy called, that there's this, and there's a, there's a guy in their character in there called Vorsi. You remember? I know Elsie won't remember. Elsie is too young for that. But now Vorsi is an instrument barber. <laughs> yeah. But the church stays instrument babies all the time. Hello? Instrumenten moet toch recht Instruments must help you to think properly. But you know, our instruments is apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. If they do not teach you properly, you're going to stay an instrument baba for life in church. This is not nice things I'm saying about the church. Right? If you ask Vorsi, Vorsi, how old are you? Vorsi will answer like this, I guess you don't see it, but you're old. Can you swim? Do you can swim me? That's how they talk. Not nice to talk about these things. But you know, we, we, we do not learn in church. We still pray about headaches. Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to be as normal as possible to you guys. I will say to Joseph, Joseph, if you have, have a headache, don't ask that of you to pray for you. Go buy yourself a grandpa until you grow up. I'm trying to show you, you need to develop your knowledge. He has put intellectual depositories before you through the fivefold. I know people that says, I don't need to go to church. I know people close to me that don't want to have anything to do with church. Now, how are you going to grow? 
Oh, the, the internet. The internet wasn't designed for you to grow spiritually. Let him that have an ear. Revelation. Let him hear. Seven times, I think. Let him that have an ear, let him hear. In other words, didn't Jesus say, be careful what you hear? Say careful. Yes. Careful means careful. <laughs> Meticulous about hearing. Your hearing determines your learning. Your learning determines your level of knowledge you have. Your level of knowledge determines your human behavioral patterns. It's simple, guys. Sunday mornings are filled in church with praying for needs and not building the image of Christ in people. I'll show you something this morning about, te about teaching. <coughs> God comes after the fall of man and God at the Mount of Sinai he delivers the tablets, right? Uh, there was a little joke about, you know, uh, you have this tablet nowadays, you know, your, your phone, the tablet. Moses had the first tablet. Okay? Without an iPhone. Right? So God gave, God gave his knowledge <coughs> in the form of law, tablet. Law is simply saying, law is simply saying, this is the intellectual depository of God into my life. I'm trying to change people's concepts about the law. The law has a very negative connotation when it comes to Pentecostals and Charismatics. The law. There's 613 laws in the Bible. And it's expected, especially if you were a Jew, to upkeep the law at all times. That 613 is significant. It's a significant number. If you cut open a pomegranate, a pomegranate, okay, fine? You're going to find more or less around 600, uh, 600 to 630 pomegranates in one whole pomegranate. Pomegranate cheese in one whole pomegranate. 613. Means wholesome living. That's what law means. So when, when God comes and gives the law to the people, God says, I am giving you my intellectual depository. When God says you shall not steal, it's not about him. It's about you learning to behave righteously. Okay? When God says you shall not look at another man's wife or another man's husband. I had to bring that in because I thought, I thought myself, if I only leave this now, you shall not look at another man's wife, then you can look at another man's husband. No, no another woman's husband. No, you can't. I love you. Eh? <laughs> now, 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 listen. Now, listen to me. It is not about adultery. Listen here. Listen here. When God says, don't look at another man's woman or another, man, another uh, woman's husband, you know. Just now you can say I'm, I'm, I'm diverse here and there, both sides. When God says that, it's not about you being adulterous. It's about God being righteous, deposited into you. I wish I can talk about the Lord to you guys. When the Lord says, you will serve the Lord your God alone. 
You will love your neighbors yourself. Now let me just stand here now and teach you about God's intellectual properties. You will love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, if you, we do, can I ask you, when last did you tell yourself, I love you? We don't do that. Therefore, it's difficult to love someone else. Hello, church. It's very difficult to love somebody else if you never tell to yourself. If I go to the mirror and, and I look at myself and say, Yara, Daryl, all the wrinkles, all the skew face, all the narrow eyes, and you got no eyebrows, nothing almost. Just one word. Hey, look, man. Then I don't love myself. But if I go to the mirror and I say to myself, I love every line here. I love every wrinkle here. Huh? I love every skewness about your face, Daryl. I love myself. Why? Because he loved me first. Come on. You cannot upkeep law by loving others if you don't love yourself. Hello? Silent, yeah? Because you need to learn to love yourself. It, it, is, it is a... I think we should have a design a course on loving yourself and charge a thousand rent per person. Love yourself. Because we just go on. Very seldom do you look at yourself and say, I looked at myself and I looked at this and I said, Oh my God. There's a scripture that says in Ephesians 5, 12, 5, 18, it says, Speak the truth. To yourself, speak the truth to one another. I, I took the word one another out. I said to myself, I, I'm gonna speak the truth to myself. Daryl this on word. Hello. This is not about weight, just about image. A different level, eh? Very practical. Hmm? I cut my hair two, two 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 weekends ago. I came in here and I, Everybody said, wow, the hair's cut. You know what else have you told me? You should have cut it a long time ago. <laughs> I accepted that word because, in, in other words, he told me, look after yourself, man. I'm a, am I being real today? I'm being real because we don't practice intellectual depositories of, of God in our lives. He puts the law at our disposal to become better, to become like him. Hmm? Amen. I was watching the rugby programs last night, you know, after uh, New Zealand shocked the Irish. It wasn't a shock. I was expecting that. But then I listened to those presenters and John de Villiers said afterwards, <laughs> he said this word, they were talking about the Springboks playing tonight. And he said, he said something, I don't want to worry the whole day is a box gonna win. I wanna go sleep the whole day and wake up tomorrow evening the box won. <laughs> and I said to myself, wisdom. But you won't be able to do that. What I'm trying to say that is, is that you cannot go sleep one day and wake up like Christ the next day. <clears throat> you gotta work at it. <clears throat> and for you that says tonight. Let's pray about the box. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to be like God about the match. Now God thinks. I come to God. I say to God, please let the, let the box win. God says, don't worry. The best man will win. 
Okay. My personal opinion, I would love the box to win, and I hope they win. Hey, Yolanda, I hope they win. Ah, no, it's not a but. No. Just pray for the eyes and ears of the referees. Yeah. Okay. No, he's gonna be. You see, one thing I've learned now is this: the world will be upon the red. Eyes will be upon the referee. They cannot make mistakes now. Right. Last night was one of the most beautiful displays of refereeing I've seen between the Irish and the All Blacks. The referee wasn't biased. Thank God, Cody Papers got injured. Ireland would have won. He's biased. Now I'm just saying that you can, you can let them have it. Without <coughs> working at your intellect. And your level of knowledge, you will not represent Christ accurately. Well, let's go to the scriptures. Let's go to the scriptures, okay? There's, there's some heavy stuff here that that I've written down. This is this this has been this intellectual publishes coming on for the last five six weeks now. I'm gonna go back. I don't just get something and I come and represent it. I, I first look at stuff. <coughs> Okay, I'm gonna just go to this. Just now you think I just I'm not I'm not prepared. I'm very prepared for this morning because because this is something that interests me. He's put his <coughs> his intellectual properties into us to knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and we call that the gifts. But there will come a day when you no, do not need gifts anymore, and you'll be matured. The aim for for representation is to show you you can become matured in this life. And maturity simply means Christ in you, the hope of glory. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 2, 14, 4, 14 to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 2 is 14 to 15. First Corinthians chapter 2, 14 to 15. This is some hard stuff, but it's very beautiful. <coughs> Verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man. Let's paraphrase that. The uneducated man in the Spirit. Okay? The natural man. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness, stupidity unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It comes by spiritual understanding. The things of God comes through spiritual understanding. If you have no spiritual knowledge, you are not going to develop your spiritual understanding. Simple, guys. It is not something that we write about. This is not... Also, this is not oh, hallelujah Sunday material. This this teaching is not oh the No, this I'm not here to touch you. I don't play games. There's a little game that children play. Don't know if you call it the same way, but in the in in the colored community, they have a game called an 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 touch. You know. We don't tag you. We don't un-un you here. I'm not here to touch you. If you want to get touched, 
God, go listen to some songs of Bill Gator. Sing, He Touched Me. Okay. Please. He touched me. Where did he touch you? <laughs> yeah, I was in a meeting once where this group was singing in a comedy style. He touched me. And then the background asked, where did he touch you? The whole auditorium just broke out laughing. You know? We are not yet to be touched. We are yet to be taught. But the spiritual man receiveth not the thing. The, the natural man do not receive the things of the spirit. For they are foolishness, stability unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, spiritually understood. But he that is spiritual, he that is that has developed his spiritual senses, his spiritual understanding by knowledge. Look at this. But he that is spiritual judges all things. They don't. That judgment is not in the name of Jesus I bind it. That's not judgment. That he judges all things means he discerns all things. He has come to a level of understanding. <coughs> Illustration here is the two women come before Solomon. They both had babies, and the one laid a baby to death. It happens sometimes, you know. And she woke up and swapped a baby that's alive with a baby that's dead. <coughs> you know, swapped, they swapped it around. And the one that baby, they said, this is not my child. And there came an argument. So they said, let's go to the king. And that's not an easy order to do. <coughs> there were systems of operation there. Eventually, they came before King Solomon. King Solomon is known as the man of wisdom. And the one says, this is my baby. The other one said, this is my baby. And Solomon looks at this and says, this is a heavy problem. Heavy problem. Now, Solomon was today in, 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 in evangelical counseling. It would have taken three, four months, right? And there, there would be no answer. Solomon says, well, bring me a sword. I said, let's cut the baby in half. You take one side, the other one take one side. Because you know what? The, the true mother will say, no, let, let her have the baby. It's okay. My baby will live. And that's what Solomon wanted. Because of wisdom. He judgeth the thing correctly. Understanding is what the church needs. We cannot just go on living like we are normal. We are not normal people. We are super normal. Right? Is that is it is it is it is it good for you to understand that? Your knowledge must be developed all the time. All the time, the spiritual man judge all things, yet he himself is not judged of no man. In other words, you live so accurately in understanding and knowledge and wisdom that no man can come and point a finger at you. That's what that verse says there. For who had known the mind of the Lord, but he, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the until we realize we have, we have the mind of Christ. We have the capacity to think like Him. We have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to think like Him, meaning we have the ability to live like Him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Can I read that for us in the yeah. 
But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit. Mm. For they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them. Because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires mm. into, questions, and discerns Amen. all things. Yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appreciate or get an insight into him. For he who has known or understood the mind, the counsel and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him mm. and give him knowledge, but we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Amen. Now, guys, when scripture is ready <coughs> on the table, go home, open your phones or your laptops and open Dr. Google and go into different versions <coughs> of the scriptures. You'll be amazed at how scriptures are being interpreted, basically, to give you a true sense of what it means. <clears throat> okay? I wanted to ask you this morning, can we read the scriptures here in different versions, but it didn't take a long time. Okay? And I only have until 3 o'clock this afternoon. Not more than that. James chapter 3, 17. Two, sorry, man. I thought we read it already. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, 5. Quote it to you right now. It says, Let this mind be in you. Philippians chapter 2. I'm so glad you are awake. Because sometimes when you do scriptures, people fall asleep. But not us, eh? We don't. Right. Philippians chapter 2. Remember, we read now 1 uh, Corinthians 12, which we have the mind of Christ, okay? Okay, this is the construction of what I'm going to teach to you, right? And this I did not read in the book. I did not get it from, from the internet. I did not get it from uh, a CD <coughs> from my spiritual father. What, what I do, what stuff that the, the Sagi gives us, does he expect of us? He says, you must go out and read. But this stuff of divine intellect, I did not get from me. I'm still waiting to get into that. The mind of Christ is something we possess. We have the mind of Christ, okay? Philippians 2, verse 5 says this. Let this mind be in you, <coughs> which was also in Christ Jesus. It's fine to quote, to let this mind be in you, which Jesus said. But what kind of mind did Christ have? And then the next verse says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, you have to bring your mind to the point where you say, I'm equal with God. What is man that not mindful of, of, of him? You are God's equal. Come on, guys. Now, you don't look like God on the outside. Thank God, I, because if, if I look like God, I don't think you would serve the Lord. You can smile at least. 
verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. Number one, the mind of Christ is, he did not worry about his reputation. And took himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. You can read up to verse 11 there. And you find out what the mind of Christ means, basically. Right? The mind of Christ is a broad subject, very broad subject. But we have the mind of Christ. In other words, you have the ability to think like him. You know, one thing I would like to do with us as a group is just take maybe two sessions, but it doesn't happen easily, and get to know scriptures. I'm serious. Get to know scriptures. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when people know scriptures. I once went, once in a meeting with Kenneth Hagin was teaching, and he quoted Ephesians chapter six. Just like this. And I was reading. He was, he was, he said, he said, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And I took my Bible and I was reading about the third verse. I looked up and this man did not read the Bible. This man was quoting the scriptures because he remembered the scriptures. Then I looked at him. I didn't read anymore. He quoted the whole chapter of Ephesians chapter 6 without fail. I said to myself, wow. There are people that can quote scripture left, right, and center because they have been taught, quote the scriptures, but come a year later and they cannot even remember Ephesians 1 verse 8 because they've been in that. I'm going to get to know the scriptures. But you know what? Repetition is the mother of learning. Maybe you all did well if you. Remember the scriptures, mm. but do you understand it? Mm. That's the other thing, you know, because if you can remember them and you're yeah. going to keep them until you remember, but do you understand yeah. it? That's, That's a very valid point you're raising, Colin. But did you say that God could quote the whole mm. um, chapter? Yeah. Was he able to understand yeah. it? Yeah. Now, for somebody to remember a chapter of the Bible takes time. For me, it tells me this person loves the word of God. Honestly, just love the word of God. I can show you people right now, friends of mine, that can put the whole book of Ephesians. It's impressive. I asked somebody once, and he didn't like it. He didn't like it. I didn't ask him in the meeting. Afterwards, I said, uh, do you feel proud when you quote the scriptures? And he was angry. And then I said to him, that's the point I wanted to raise to you. The scriptures didn't affect you yet. It's not about quoting or remembering. It's about becoming the scriptures. It's about the word being made flesh. James chapter 3 verse 1, 17 to 18. The mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? James chapter 3, 17 to 18. James is after Hebrews. And Yolanda, Hebrews is not a coffee brand. <laughs> Hebrews chapter yeah. If you want to bless yourself this week, go read the book of James. Very, very practical. 
James is the apostle that made his residence Jerusalem. He stayed in Jerusalem until he died. Didn't move around. He stayed there, one place. But he was he was a guy that understood the scriptures. Right? Right. 17 to 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. In other words, easy to be questioned. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is, show, is sown in peace of them that make peace. James is the guy that says to you, if you want wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God wisdom. But then James explains to you what wisdom really is. James is the guy that, that understands wisdom from a godly perspective. You get <laughs> wisdom from different levels. You get the wisdom of men. Have you ever sat with somebody that knows, that have learned something? Man and his brothers got an MBA in 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 in. in in business administration, right? He's a master in business administration. I do not know how many degrees. I think he's got four now, because he was the fifth one. But I learned something from him. It's not about the knowledge you have. It's about the life you the life you live. And Eugene, her brother, is one of the most. When that guy speaks, I listen. Younger than me, I listen. Because his intellect is way above the rest. He's learned how to think. Our problem in church is we think when God gives you wisdom, you're going to grow. You're going to learn things. No, no, no. Wisdom is something you do. Wisdom is not something you know. Wisdom is something you do. Wisdom is, is, is defined as applied knowledge. Knowledge that you apply. That's wisdom. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But the next thing you get angry with everybody else around you. You should rather sing instead of I love you, Lord. You should rather sing I love you, Lord. Okay. And bulge your fist before the Lord. Okay? You know, one thing I don't like about Christians on the internet, you know, those little greetings they do, and I appreciate some others I don't appreciate. Okay? <coughs> If you do it, I'm not against what you're doing, okay, fine. But you get groups. It did one another with little verses. Little verses. The Lord bless you today, and then they give you a little fairy or a butterfly, whatever. That. It's nice. It's very artistic. But for me, that's all it is. Because it doesn't come from the heart. It's not the person. Okay. Rather sit and think and ponder the scriptures. Once, once in every day, I go aside. Sometimes I just sit. I've learned recently now to sit amongst people, switch off from the conversation amongst the people, and just ponder the thoughts of God. It's a good thing to do. My thoughts last night was about this subject. I didn't have notes before me. I was thinking, how do we as a group become wiser 
by using divine depositories of wisdom God has placed at our disposal. And I came to this, it affected me heavily. I came to this understanding. And so, Joseph, I was thinking Afrikaans. I've got to express it in Afrikaans, okay? I'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. I was thinking about the word of God as a, as a resource. The word of God as a baron. And then I said to myself, okay, when the word of God is a baron from vertroosting. Amen? You can help me now. The word of God, the word of God is a baron from vertroosting. Die hoofd van God is een bron van beskerming. Die, woord, die hoofd van God is een bron van geneesing. Amen? And I went on, I gave myself a whole list of thoughts. And then I realized, to think the word is powerful. The word of God is a resource for different levels. When I show you scriptures this morning, it shows you what God has put at your disposal. He's given us his knowledge. Psalm 139, verse 6. Psalm 139, verse 6. This is the psalm where David looks at everything in life. Everything in life. Beautiful psalm. Stunning psalm. This This is my favorite scripture, by the way, in life. Besides Genesis 126. Psalm 139. I'm tempted to read the whole thing to you. Verse, verse 6. Such knowledge. Say such knowledge. Such knowledge. This is not normal knowledge. Such knowledge. 139 verse 6. We're going to stand here for about 4-5 minutes around the scripture. Such knowledge is too high for me. Such knowledge is too Wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain unto it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. It is too high for me. I cannot attain unto it. This man comes to the, to the realization the knowledge of God is way above my capacity. Right? I cannot attain unto in this psalm here. David speaks about the attributes of God, and the attributes of God can be divided into three levels. Omniscience, God knows everything. Omnipresence, God is everywhere. Omnipotence, God can do everything. If you want to if somebody else somebody ever asks you, can you describe God to me? Use the omni environment. Omnipresence, omniscience, right? And omnipotence. That's that's one of the things I've learned how to describe God unto myself. They would say such knowledge. What knowledge? He says he says Verse, verse 4. No. I'm going, going back. I'm showing you. I, I, read to you. I read to you verse 6 now. 
Such knowledge is too high, too wonderful for me. But let's go back to verse 4. There is not a word in my tongue that thou does not know. He says, there is not a word in my mouth or my tongue that you know not. One other translation says, before I speak, you know what I'm going to say. That's knowledge. He knows everything. He knows yesterday. He knows today. He knows tomorrow. He knows your next thought. He knows your thought that you're thinking now. He knows your next thought. That's the beauty of the knowledge of God. He knows everything. What I'm trying to show you, the intellectual properties of God is at, at your disposal. You have access to the online environment. There was a request here on, on Thursday, uh, Tuesday evening. There may also be. I was requested to pray for uh, Shirley's daughter. She's got, she went for an interview the next day. You remember? Now, I'm like this. I do not just pray because of the request. I tried to pray with insight. And in, while I was praying, I didn't ask God to give Abigail the job. While I was praying, I changed my words that Abigail got the job. I don't know if you can remember, remember that. Wednesday afternoon, we got the message. All of us got the message. Abigail got the job. I didn't rejoice. I wasn't glad. I was glad when I prayed. Why? Because I tapped into his omniscience when I prayed. And that's the beauty about intellectual depositories of divine mindset given to us. What's the time now? Should we go on still? Are you okay? Yeah. Couple of minutes, five minutes more? I can see you thinking only five minutes. Yeah, okay. Thank, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Now, and I can see your mindset. Five minutes, and I know you're thinking only five. Please, Pastor, in Jesus' name, only five minutes. You mean me? Yeah. <laughs> I think you. I, I know what you're thinking. Yes, Pastor, in Jesus' name, only five minutes. I don't react to the name of Jesus, guys. Please. How do you know what I'm thinking? I know. I know. Guys, I'm trying to show you. We have we have intellectual depositories at our at our disposal. We have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The last scripture we read was Psalm 139, verse 6. I want to go to a scripture that's it's 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 really interesting. Do you know that the apostle Paul describes to you how to think and what to think. Amen. Thinking is one of the things we do not practice well. Romans chapter 12 is 1 to 2. Therefore be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind that you might prove what is a good and acceptable will of God. Okay, but the, the emphasis is there. Be ye transformed. There's two words made transform. Trans is movement, mobility. 
form the stationary format, mold, standard of thinking. Therefore, you see, he's simply saying, therefore, change your paradigm. Move away from the way you've been thinking up till now. Be ye transformed now. How will you be transformed? By renewing your mind. If it was easy, you could have gone home now and said, Lord, renew my mind. But that's not what you are supposed to do. God cannot renew your mind. Hello? Tell the person next to you, God cannot renew your mind. God cannot renew your mind. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. <laughs> God cannot renew your mind. Paul says, Therefore, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are in charge of the renewal of your mind. Make it a program. Make it something you pursue. Renew your mind. Don't read everything that's available out there. In Christian circles. Read good stuff. Somebody once gave me a little book of Mike Murdoch on wisdom. Now, Mike Murdoch, I don't even know him. He runs the Wisdom Center in America. It's called the Wisdom Center. Mike Murdoch was a pastor. He's still a pastor. And one day he stumbled upon the word wisdom. And it, whoever wrote it impressed him so much. Mike Murdoch then decided, I'm going to devote my whole life to the word wisdom. <coughs> He's got over 80 books on the subject of wisdom. And I'm telling you, it's not easy books to read because it's not chapter after chapter after chapter. It's statement after statement after statement. And I don't like that kind of format of reading. But it's brilliant stuff. Somebody in Cape Town now has taken that example and he started to write on the subject of honor because he's the son of Mike Murdoch and Mike Murdoch spoke to him about, him about honor. There's a guy called Clint Ross out in retreat in Lansdowne. He's got a book, got little booklets out on how to honor your father, naturally, and another booklet how to honor your mother. I was shocked when I when I when I, when I read Clint Ross say the words, Don't despise your father and your mother because they are the resources of wisdom in your life. If you respect them, you will be respected. We know that. But how many kids today do not respect their parents? Hello? I'm not saying you, but you know of somebody who doesn't respect. You know why? And they think they, they, they're clever. Watch their lifestyles. They're going to amount to nothing. You hear what I'm telling you right now? Because the Bible says, if you honor your mother and father, it will, it will be like a garland, like a trophy around your neck. That's wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs is all about wisdom nuggets. Wisdom nuggets. I said to myself the other day, <coughs> I want to take, you know, in December, I want to take the whole month and just focus on wisdom for myself, not to teach or to preach, but for myself, wisdom. I want to do that for myself. Maybe you should do the same thing. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying... Do the same thing. Can I tell you a little secret about Kevin Scott? 
Kevin Scott is one of the most powerful writers on the subject of wisdom. But how it happened was this, this, this way. I don't know if I told you this before. How it happened was like this. Kevin Scott was a Bible school at college. He had a couple of degrees, came out of Bible school, started a business, and the business failed. He lost everything. He lost everything. He was miserable. <clears throat> and one day, one of his associates at Bible school told him, Gary Small, he said to him, Listen, Scott, I'm coming from this side of America to where you're staying now. I want, I'm going to teach there, but I want to spend some time with you. So they spent some time together. And while they were there spending some time together, Kevin Scott wanted to ask Gary Small, you know, for some advice how to better his life. And eventually, he mustered the courage and said, Gary, your life is so successful. What do I do to make my life successful? And Kevin Scott expected the word from the Lord, you know, do this and do that. And Gary Smalley said, you might not like what I'm going to tell you now. Take the book of Proverbs. Read a chapter every day for a whole month and make notes on what you read. Take one chapter because there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Write it, read it, and make notes on what you read. Make notes. And then he said, you will become a millionaire in two or three years' time because of studying the book of Proverbs. I read that and I said to myself, that's going to happen. You know what Kevin Scott says? He did it because he wanted to prove to Gary Smalley this will never work. Because he knows scriptures. Gary Smalley went away, Kevin Scott started to read every day, every day, and make notes, and make notes, and make notes. And before long, he started to make notes of how to run a business out of the book of Proverbs. Six months later, Gary Smalley called him again and said, I'm going to come visit you again and see how far, but I'm going to teach again. The church had asked me to come teach again. So he picked up Gary Smalley again. And as they drove from the airport, they came into this, this, you know, this, this big farm, you know, where you have this entrance. Uh, they call it the entrance road that is that's forever. And Gary Smalley said he was sitting in the car. And Kevin Scott was, he wasn't driving, he had a chauffeur. And Gary Smalley thought, oh, Kevin, <coughs> Kevin must have hired this limousine you know, for my sake. And he said to Kevin, he said to, he said to, Kevin Smalley said to Kevin, oh Kevin, thank you for honoring me like this, you know, renting this uh, limousine and getting a sofa to, to spoil me. I really appreciate it, you know, and uh, I, I, I look at that building there in front, looks like a nice hotel you're taking me. And they stopped before the hotel and they went out, you know, and, uh, and there was no one there. And at lunchtime, Kevin Smalley couldn't resist. By asking Kevin Scott, now, did you, did you rent the whole hotel now for me now? And Gary Smalley said, no, I didn't rent your hotel. This is my farm. This is my estate. You are responsible. And I wrote him out a check of a million dollars just for the advice you gave me. Yes, because you said to me, read the book of Proverbs. You know what Kevin Scott does now? He only ministers the book of Proverbs. Wherever he goes. 
And the new assignment he's got from himself, study the life of Christ. I want to buy the book by Kum. The words of Jesus. And I had the book. It's a thick book. Almost like thick. thick it's a Bible. And I said, wow, it must, must be good. The words of Jesus by Kevin Scott. I like Kevin Scott. And then I turned the book around. 1,340 something rand. The book jumped out of my hands onto the shelf again. By itself. <laughs> By itself. <laughs> the other day I saw it marked down because such book won't sell. Yeah. Half price. Half price from 1,300 will be at least 600 and something rand. Okay. Still too much for me. I'm not hinting at you to buy me the book. I can wait until the book drops value in price. I think it came down again. But it's not available in print anymore because it's a good book. The words of Jesus. Stunning stuff. Stunning stuff. There's a guy called Ravi Zacharias. Now, look at me. This Bible is called the Hebrew Greek Keyword Study Bible. Ravi Zacharias, who died a couple of months ago, a year ago, so compiled this whole Bible. He gave every word a key for you to learn. Rabbi Zechariah said, he's got many degrees. He said, if somebody told me this before I would study, how to study the word of God, I would have only studied the word of God. Powerful guy. Rabbi Zechariah, he had a church, but his main aim was to speak to governments. And you know what? Governments would no one would come and speak about Jesus at the meetings. Rabbi Zechariah was the only guy tolerated by government to speak about Jesus. And every time he spoke, at the Senate in America, at Congress, whatever government it was, he always ended up like this. Which of you diplomats, senators, presidents, and ministers want to give your life to Jesus now? And he had many successes in that regard. Why? The word of God. The knowledge of God. I think I'm going to stop you now. You're going to go home, write it down. Okay, I'll send it to you. Go home and read Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. Read the whole chapter, basically, from 1 to verse 14, 15. Colossians chapter 3. Okay? Philippians 4, verse 8. I like this chapter, this portion especially. I'm just going to mention it to you. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, my brethren, think on these things. You said that's how Paul tells you to, what to think. You did think I made jokes when I said to you, Paul tells you how to think and what to think. Finally, my brethren, think on these things. What things? Things that are true. Whatsoever things are, that are honest. Whatsoever things that are just. Whatsoever things that are pure. Whatsoever things that are lovely. Whatsoever things that are open. Good report, if there be any virtue in it, <laughs> if there be any virtue in it, if there be any God life in it, think about these things. If there be any praise, think on these things. Colossians 3 says this, <clears throat> if we have been raised with Christ, think on the things that are from above. I'm done guys, but I must tell you, this for me, it's been one of the most powerful sessions in my life. I'm serious. 
This is not Sunday, hallelujah, Lord, let's come and bless us. But this is very, very profound for me. Would you agree? Think on these things. Amen?